Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Milzov, features editor at Billboard and musical theater expert here. So about a week ago, the Grammy Awards happened. And of course, many of the awards that are given out are not given out on television. And you will not be surprised to hear that the one that I care the most about is the one for Best Musical Theater uh, cast album. Uh, One of my absolute favorite shows of the past many years, uh, certainly of the past year or so, The Band's Visit was one of the nominated shows. If you listen to the podcast, you know that I have done an episode with the show's composer, David Yazbek, and a few of the stars. I encourage you to look that one up. It's definitely one of my favorite episodes thus far. And I was eager to see how it would do because uh, The Band's Visit last year swept the Tony Awards. It won 10 awards total, including Best Musical. And based on a prior example, Dear Evan Hansen won the Grammy the year that it won Best Musical. Hamilton won the Grammy the year it won Best Musical. I had a feeling that things might be looking good for the band's visit. And I was right. Ended up taking home the Grammy for Best Musical Theater Album. I've always been curious about the world of original Broadway cast recordings. These are the albums that, uh, for many of us, it's the way that we get to know a musical. It's certainly for me, when I was in high school, it was the way that I became obsessed with musical theater, memorizing the lyrics to shows like Miss Saigon and Phantom of the Opera and Les Miserables. So I was curious to talk to some of the people behind this album about how it all comes together and why it's ultimately important for the show. On the podcast today, I have three members of the band's visit team who all have pretty unique perspectives on the cast recording experience. There's David Yazbek, the composer and lyricist, Katrina Lank, who plays Dina in the show and won a Tony Award for her amazing, amazing performance, and Dean Sharano, the album's co-producer and the show's music supervisor, who has a long-standing creative relationship with Yazbek, both on his uh, more squarely pop albums and also on the shows that he's worked on before. Here's our chat.
Well, congrats to all three of you on winning a Grammy Award. You're all technically Grammy Award winners now, right? Yeah. You don't have to say technically. (laughs) It's weird. It's very weird. You just are. It's a little insulting. (laughs) So were you, I feel like this is is one of the awards that I care about most, but we don't get to see it on TV. So like what actually happened? Were you all there in LA? How did it go down? Uh, Well. Oh, go. Oh. I was saying we had a show, so we couldn't go. So that's all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Katrina was Katrina was a- acting and singing in in our show, which we won a Grammy Award for. Um, <laughs> Dean and I were out there uh, hanging out, having some nice meals. Then we went to the Grammys, the premiere event, which starts at twelve thirty p.m. <laughs> uh, we were out by about one one fifteen. Had a nice lunch. It was a great day. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I will say the premiere event has upgraded. I was nominated one, once before for engineering, and I was there in 2007. And the premiere event at that point was nearly like in a high school cafeteria oh, with folding chairs and fluorescent lights. It really was grim. Oh. Uh, this was much nicer, I guess, because they can stream it. It mm. was. It was all. It was like in the Microsoft Theater, and there was a live band. It was well put together. So. And I have to say the the party the night before, and you missed this, Katrina. The food was really top quality. Ooh. I mean, we're talking raw bar stuff, <laughs> and delicious cuts of meat, and uh, yeah, it was great. Mm. Right, right, Dean? Yes, delicious cuts of meat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that should just be the title of this podcast, Delicious Cuts of Meat, what it takes to make a Grammy-winning recording. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, for, for some reason this this year, maybe because I uh, increasingly over the past few years, I really cared about what show wins this award. Um, it made me think, you know, how what goes into making a Grammy winning original Broadway cast recording? Um, I think even for those of us who are obsessed with theater, it's kind of a corner of the theater world that we don't know a lot about kind of what happens behind the scenes. Um, and cast recordings are the way that so many people are introduced to shows in the first place. Yeah, that's true. I I mean, let me, I'll start it and then, and then pass it off to a Dean who will then maybe pass it off to Katrina because it sort of starts with, um, you know, just the show and, uh, (laughs) and writing, writing the show. So obviously, you know, I I don't really know what, what goes into winning a Grammy, but I know what goes into writing a show and that's, um, you know, just, being with collaborators who are, uh, you know, just really on the same page and really going for some quality. Um, and Itamar and I at the beginning and right up till the end, that's what we've, that's what we were sort of going for. There was a tone, uh, a tone that was suggested by the movie that we um, honored all the way through uh, a tone that Iran Colrin kind of started. He was the director and the writer of the film that we honored and when David Cromer came on, uh, he also honored it. So now we had this kind of sort of glowing, vibrating version of, uh, of that tone, um, which, of course, Katrina, you know, kind of, uh, you know, not just also honored, but, but enhanced with her performance. Um, and then we get to the point where we have the show and the songs are sounding good and there's a particular tone and it's working and everyone agrees it's working and then we have to record it. So that's when Dean and I, you know, sort of get to work with pre-production and uh, now I'll pass it on to Dean. <laughs> uh, 
I guess I'll talk about just the, the recording aspect. You know, Yazbek and I were making records that were non-theater records for most of our lives. Theater is pretty new, at least to me, to do in the studio. So we tend to approach things not as cast albums, but as a, a, a recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times cast albums are done in – I mean, they're generally done very quickly. Um, the recording time is usually two days for all the material. Um, and then it's me for four weeks afterwards sort of making everything sit well together. Uh, and that's hard to avoid. Still, stuff has to be done that way. But the way we went through the recording process, our mic selection, where we did the album, which was at my studio out in Brooklyn, um, the equipment, the signal path, the console we used, uh, all the processing, the, the, the choices were not made to make a cast album. They were made to make an album. Um, and I think that the, the people who have, des- who have described their appreciation of the record seem to recognize that. They, why does this record sound different? And part of it is it's fantastic songwriting and fantastic performances. But the recording process was meant to be more soulful than a lot of cast albums are allowed to be. Mm-hmm. We, had a, we had a band, you know, the, the musicians in the show are just truly world-class musicians. Um, they play Middle Eastern music perfectly, but a lot of them also are, are great jazz musicians and can play anything. Um, so, you know, we wanted to just capture that virtuosity and you can't do that just by sort of placing mics and saying TikTok, the t- clock's going, you know, everyone's just play what's on the page. There's a lot of impro- improvisation as well. So, um, you know, we were producing, it felt like we were producing a, an album of music, including, you know, great performances by singers like the one that you have sitting next to you uh, <laughs> over there. It's also a lot of pressure, and maybe you can talk about this, it's a lot of pressure to do a cast album as a vocalist because one, one of the most difficult things you can do in a recording studio is sing. If you're playing an instrument, there's something, you're expressing yourself through an, through an instrument. You're playing a guitar, you're playing drums. If you're singing, what's coming out is so personal. It's, it's such a neurotic process. Uh, and you do not have much time in this, in this, when you're doing a cast album. It's not like making a, a record at home mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't sing great today. I'll go back and do it tomorrow or see where I can. You really, we did two or three takes of everything. That's mm-hmm. a, and everything in the same day. I mean, that's, that's challenging. Yeah, it was, it was not what I expected. I, I mean, I've been in the studio before recording albums with bands and you know, similarly, you used to one song could take a week to work on. So I didn't really wrap my head around how little time <laughs> we had until they were like, OK, next song. And I was like, oh, wait, uh, OK. Um, and uh, it's also such a different experience to stand in a room with headphones on and a microphone as opposed to being in the theater, in the space, in the middle of the story. So it was a suddenly it was a very challenging thing to be in a new space, but try to conjure the the space of the story. And uh, yes, it was. <laughs> it's very hard to get <laughs> in that, in, to, into, into an emotional state yeah, to express the songs it was when you're used to doing them. Extremely in challenging the in, a, in a way that I, I can't wait to get. To, I hope I, I get another chance to do it because uh, I, I learned a lot of things. <laughs> well, I was, <laughs> was going to say, I mean, one of my biggest questions was about the fact that it is such a soulful show and so much of the music either feels somewhat spontaneous or just feels like it kind of emanates out of the atmosphere and it feels like the 
complete opposite of staginess and how formal things could feel in a recording studio. So what did you all do to try to recreate that atmosphere and that feeling as much as you could in the studio setting? Uh, thank goodness our, our director, David Cromer, was there also, and he hmm. was able to step in and uh, suggest some things if we um, were a little bit swimming in outer space. Um, so that was helpful, and the, the general uh, feeling in the room was very relaxed and, uh, you know, like the, the family feeling that we had all during rehearsal. So that that also helped. Yeah, we did this at uh, a studio that I did. A, I have done a lot of work at over the years that I have my mix room attached to called Viber Monk out in Brooklyn. And uh, it's it was put together by a f- two friends of mine from Tel Aviv originally. And it's a real place. It, it feels like a place to make art. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like a recording studio. It doesn't feel sterile. Uh, all the equipment's amazing. And it's a, it's this, you, know, you get this sunlight all during the day. Um, it's unlike any studio I have ever worked in, which is one of the reasons I love it so much. Uh, and I think that helped too. It didn't feel like you were in a fluorescent lit square box mm-hmm. um, that had no no energy. I think I think yeah. the, the space sort of gives you something back when you perform in it, which doesn't usually happen. Well, I'm curious in general and, and for this show specifically, at one point in a show's life, do you start thinking about making a cast recording? Is it a foregone conclusion that if you have a show on Broadway, you will make the recording at some point? Or do you have to see a certain measure of success well, and longevity well, first? Well, those are two questions, or maybe even three questions. I'll start with the first one. Um, okay. <laughs> when, I, when I was, I mean, literally when I was writing my first show, The Full Monty, I'm not sure if I said this to you, Dean, like early in the process, because Dean, Dean's also the contractor on these shows. And in the case of the band's visit, music supervisor, like, you know, he's, he's with the show almost, almost right after I'm with the show, you know, like I will send him songs just to see what he thinks. So, but with the full Monty, I remember saying to my collaborators on that, Terrence McNally and, and Jack O'Brien. And I think to you, Dean, that I really wanted to approach the score as something that would make a great album. So, you know, my, my gold standard for musicals is guys and dolls. And one of the reasons is that you listen to that album and it's just like, just like listening to a great Beatles album, you know, it's just song after song is, is great. And there's no filler and it just feels tight. And, um, and I think I've sort of tried to stick with that. Like not, not consciously, but you know, you serve the piece and you serve the, uh, the characters and the story, but, uh, this, this kind of idea that maybe what you'll come out with is an album that is something that people will put on. I know this sounds, <laughs> sounds like antique, but something that people will sort of listen to song by song and enjoy all the way through, um, that doesn't spin its wheels at any point. Uh, so that's, that answers the question of when you start thinking about it. Um, but you know, the producers start thinking about it immediately. There's elements in the contract uh, uh, for the composer lyricist and that, you know, address what will happen with the cast album. And my, my, I think that shows with a certain, that know they're going to have a certain kind of budget, know that there's going to be a cast album. I think maybe there's, there are exceptions but at some point, it seems somebody comes along and makes a cast album of almost everything that's on Broadway. Well, Isn't that true? Yes. I mean, there's a, there's a trend. What, 
one of the reasons that it's nice to make an album, this is also the case for stuff I've done at the public theater, uh, for other off-Broadway stuff, as well as Broadway shows, is the album can have a very long tail on it. So let's say you have a show that runs at the public for 12 weeks. Um, not many people get a chance to see a show that runs for that long. But if there's an album made, you have this, you have it captured in a way that can uh, engender other productions and get and, and allow people who have worked on it to be able to, oh, I, I worked on this piece. Um, there's a, it's the, it's the only way that shows can have a life beyond when they close. And uh, there is a trend these days that one way or another producers either are or should be trying to make albums of their shows. Uh, even though records are not selling, it's a, it's, a way to, it's a way to keep the ear of an audience on the show. Um, in the case of Ben's Visit, it's lovely that we've had the run as long as we've had. Uh, but the fact that a record exists will, I think, also make it easier for other productions to happen, to make it easier for people to appreciate what was special about the show. If there's no album, then what existed as... I'll when give you an example. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I interrupted. I, I'll give That's you an okay, example. That's okay, but you interrupted me. Um, but anyway, I'll give you a, a really good example. Um, so women, women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown just, you know... I think we ran for like three, three months. Was it, you know, it wasn't, it was a yes. short run. And, um, and we made a cast album. Dean and, Dean and I made the cast album and it really, really was a good album. Like, like real strong. Um, and the show folded, um, but the album got great reviews and people really, really loved it. And it sort of kept it alive. And, uh, Two or three years later, we, we did it in London. Uh, a lot of it was because the producer in London, you know, loved the album. And uh, we produced it in London and, and fixed a lot of stuff and made it work and made it good. So that's an exact example. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's you know. also, I think that's part of what got great comment to Broadway is that uh, when, when it was running, when it was in, the, you know, the few different places it was running, uh, the producer decided to pay for a full on. We did an EP first and then a full-on album of the show. And that was the thing that then got the production that happened up in Boston and Cambridge and then got it to... So, it's, again, it's, a, it's the calling card for the show. If it's, if it's captured well, if the material's good and it's captured well, um, it allows the show to have another, another life, another, another performance, another run, another production. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, when you set out to make an original cast recording, what is kind of the top priority or the top thing you want to get out of it? Is it, like you're saying, 
extending the longevity of the show? Is it preserving the show exactly as it sounds on stage on tape somehow? Um, or is it just, we, we hope this will make a little money? <laughs> what, what, what's sort of the priority? No, I, I think Yazbek and I have different intentions maybe than a lot of people. I mean, of course, it would be lovely if the show had, if, if, it, if it did something for the longevity of the show. But because we come from the, the record side of things, David was saying earlier that his, his whole idea of writing shows is very much about writing something that will make a good album. I think that's where we, that's how we come at things. Uh, am I right about that? You are. It's, it's, um, it, it's kind of, it's just this aesthetic that just, uh, we both have. And even when um, I was starting with the uh, band's visit, I remember sitting with Itamar and we both were agreeing that if we, if we took any time really thinking about how to write this show as a show that would go to Broadway, as opposed to writing the show as the perfect version of what we felt the perfect version of it was that captured the tone that we would screw it up. And that carries on to the album. You know, you just, what do you have? What's great about it? What do you love about it? Try to get that recorded on the album. Whether it's a, you know, if it's like a, a, you know, Tootsie's opening uh, in a few months, uh, Dean and I will make the, the cast recording of that. That's a completely different animal. It's sort of raucous and really, really funny. So we'll honor that when we make the album. And that's all, you know, we won't be thinking about it as a calling card or as a advertisement. We'll just be thinking about the best possible, uh, you know, album that we can make as a, as a piece of art on its own that, that does what the show does. I know that for an actor or for, for really any creative person, having limits can sometimes be creatively freeing in a weird way. For someone who's actually doing the recording like you, Katrina, is knowing that you have this limited period of time to get it right, to make the thing happen um, useful, or is it just another form of pressure? <laughs> uh, I it, Yes, it's uh, it's you feel the pressure indeed. And like I said earlier, I just wasn't aware of how little time we had. It just, for some reason, it didn't compute. <laughs> I think because we had just opened, the, like, maybe the day before or two days before. So there was, we were all exhausted and sort of like, what, riding this high of the show being open. And then we're like, yay, in the studio. And it, there was no time to comprehend what was happening until you realize, oh, there was only two times to try that. And now we have to move on. So the pressure was sort of after when I was like, oh, my God, what? I didn't. Only, no, give me another try. You know, so like, um, and then <laughs> David Cromer would sort of hammer it home by saying, uh, oh, this is the album kids in high school will listen to forever. And then so you're like, oh, my God, forever. No. So, yes, to answer your question, if it's, uh, yes, a lot of a lot of pressure that. Um, I felt after the fact, which wasn't helpful either. <laughs> you know, there's a really there's a really interesting thing that um, when I hear Katrina talking about it, and I'm sort of having this memory of your <laughs> your face and your sort of I mean, you're you're sometimes you're at your most adorable when you're just scared shitless, you know. Um, but but um, but you know, Dean Dean is part of producing. A very important part of producing is being able to guide 
uh, instrumentalists and singers to, to a great performance. And um, Dean's really good at that. And I know that because he's produced a bunch of my solo albums. So, you know, and I'm not the easiest egg to crack when it comes to, <laughs> you know, vocal performances. But when you're doing cast album, it's, you're dealing with actors and they have a way of, you know, some of them, the, the good ones have a way of sort of working from the inside out. So having Cromer, who's, he's a really just a brilliant director. He's also a really good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it was invaluable in the case of this show. Cause it's not a show where you just plant your feet and sing as hard as you can, you know? Um, so that was an interesting part of it, of, of making the album. And he was very, he was, he was very light, had a very light touch. He yeah. really mostly, I think he only really worked with you. Uh, um, oh, yeah, I guess I can't answer that because I wasn't in the room if it wasn't me. <laughs> I mean, maybe, I mean, I might, I don't know, but, but uh, yeah, that, it was interesting. He was, because, you know, because that could also get annoying if you're producing mm-hmm. an album and you have a director, you know, in your face, and, but he's, he was great. Well, when you're, when you're making a record, the, uh, when you're in a studio environment, the smallest little gesture can have a large impact, whether it's something that you're saying or something you're doing or just your energy in the room. And it was really nice to have Cromer there because there are certainly other people I've collaborated with on albums who are not aware of what a sensitive environment it is. And I find that, the, that as far as gestures go, that if you hold your nose and roll your eyes up, that's not good. They don't tend to like that. Do that's that. true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, this is such a a physical show for you, especially Katrina. And as you know, if you're used to singing Omar Sharif with your arms out and sort of dancing, are you able to replicate that in the studio, or is it a major adjustment to project in a in a different way? It um it was an adjustment, yes, and it took me a while to figure out like why does this feel weird? I couldn't like you know I couldn't figure out why why is What's happening? So it took a couple of stabs at it to realize, like, oh, I need to sit down. So I think I I wound up sitting down, um, which, which, <laughs> uh, which helped immensely. Like you said, just the smallest gesture can suddenly be, like, a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a lot of, um, uh, like I said earlier, like just trying to recall every sense memory you have from – uh, doing it in the show and try to try to pull it into your body in the moment. It's it's really it's really challenging. Yeah. If if you're doing a solo number like that, I realize that I just in my head imagine these cast recording experiences to be almost like like summer camp sort of for a day, like being in this very intensive huh. atmosphere and you're all together and like let's make a project. <laughs> <laughs> but but are you very alone when you're when you're doing a performance like that, or are other people around, or like what's the atmosphere like? Oh, the way we had set it up, um, I was in the control room, so you know there's the there's the engineers, there's Dean's there and Cromer's there and Yazbek's there. We're all in this huge control room, and then the musicians were in the the other the live room. The, the live room. Mm-hmm. So I could see them. And hear them in my ears in a way that I don't get to hear them in the show at all, which was really exciting. And so that made up for any moment where I was like, where am I in space? I could always look at them and feel like um, that connection. Uh, but it didn't feel solitary at all, which I'm, I'm very grateful for also. And that space allows you to feel um, not alone. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, tr- I try to do that 
uh, I, I try to be, it's much, it's a much easier connection to be talking to a singer who's giving a performance when you're next to them and mm-hmm. speaking to the, in their directly in their ear, as opposed to them being in a booth somewhere and hearing the click of the talk back go on mm-hmm. and hearing you in their brain. You know, a lot of times you have to work that way, but the way my studio was set up, you could you could be in the same space. And I do that on purpose whenever it's possible because it's it, the, it just makes the communication easier. Mm-hmm. Now, I was curious for you, Dean, is is it typical for someone who's working in a music contractor or supervisor role on a show to always end up being the executive producer of the album in some manner? Because I was realizing like for Alex Lacamoire, I think that was the case for Dear Evan Hansen. And I was curious whether that is uh, just always what happens for you. <laughs> it it happens. Um the, you know, because I'm a recording engineer first, like music c- contracting is, is relatively new to me in the last, I don't know, t- 10 years or so. I've been, I've been a recording engineer and producer for much longer and a musician. So it was just a natural fit for me to be the person who was also recording the album, producing it with Yazbek. We also have a longstanding creative relationship. Um, there are probably a few other people. I don't know any contractors who necessarily produce the albums, but I'm also co-supervising mm-hmm. uh, the show with Andrea Grody, so it just seemed it just made sense. Uh, I, I don't know offhand any other people who do it, but there there may be. Got it. Yeah, but you but but Dean also produces cast albums for shows that he, you know, just as a producer, like he's. He's a go-to guy to produce an album because he's a great producer and a great engineer. Like he really knows 360 what's going on. Um, so it's not just a matter of um, being there to help out. It's 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 really driving the train um, with me, sort of I guess shoveling coal. Um, but when but but he but shoveling he doesn't something. need he he doesn't need me, you know. Um, and and he does a lot of albums, both musical theater and uh, non-musical theater as a producer uh, away from it. So it's I, the reason I'm saying this is having been sort of the victim of my own eclectic nature, um, people are like, oh, I thought you were a, were a TV writer. You know, uh, Dean does a lot of stuff really well. So, you know, it, I think Thanks, it confuses David. people. You're welcome, <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> So many warm fuzzies in this room. <laughs> I mean, I mean Chris, Katrina, you were talking about feeling like you learned a lot through this process mm-hmm. and maybe things you would have done differently another time around. Do you all feel very satisfied and perfectly happy with how everything turned out? Or are there ways that you learn from this experience that you'll kind of take little things to the next recording you'll do? I know what you're going to say. I'll let you answer that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know the thing. I know most of the things you're not happy with. Everything uh, I did, pretty okay. much. Okay. Um, I'm I'm really happy with the record. Uh, I feel like we succeeded in capturing a lot of what is special about the show, the emotion of the show. I feel like David and I tend not to like to do a lot of dialogue on albums unless it's really, really necessary to the structure of the song or the storytelling of the song. Uh, and, you know, we followed that that tenet on this album as well. It's it's almost all music. Um, there's one or two, you know, interstitial dialogue moments, but not leading into a song or anything. Um, I think the I think the album is a good reflection of what the experience of the show could be, just as an as a as an audience member, just listening to it. 
Uh, yeah, I I think it really wildly succeeds as far as that's concerned. I have I've never been involved with anything that I've written a song, a, a script, anything where I haven't tortured myself while looking back at it. You know, so for me, when I listen to the album, um, I think it I think it's really really good. And then I hear little things that you know, just little just little choices. Um, involving little sounds and stuff like that. Maybe even stuff that I said, let's attenuate that or let's, you know, get rid of that. And then I, and then I regret it, but that's true with everything I do. So <laughs> the way I remedy that is by not, not really <laughs> listening very often to anything that I've done. <laughs> get the Grammy and just like leave it on the shelf. <laughs> What I do yeah, love about, yeah. Oh, Oh, sorry. Oh, are you, do you, Out have, of the green. Do you have more? Oh, I just, um, Uh, what I do love about the album, you know, it's really hard to listen to your own self <clears throat> regardless. I mean, no matter what. Even right now, hearing my own voice talking, I'm like, what are you saying? Stop. <laughs> um, but I, I'm thrilled by how beautifully the musicians uh, uh, are captured. All the beautiful playing they're doing uh, uh, in at every moment. Like, uh, you know, uh, being on stage, you don't get to... You don't get to hear as much of all the little things that they're doing because you're focused on what you got to do. But getting to, to hear them in your ears and all that incredible musicianship is just, it's thrilling. It's thrilling. Yeah, what, kill, what kills me is that there's, I, I wish we could have made maybe a companion album where they could stretch out, you know, because mm -hmm. you have X number of songs. It's a cast album. It's, it's being bought for a certain reason by certain people. So what we can't do is what, what, we all spent a long time doing uh, occasionally, which was, you know, just stretching out on solos and songs that maybe uh, instrumentals that maybe are three or four minutes long, go 12 or 20 minutes. And you, you just get a chance to take that journey. And maybe someday we'll get, you'll get them together and do a, do an album like that. Um, but uh, you know, that wasn't the, that wasn't the mission. Um, but it was. But when I think about it, I, you know, I would love to hear something like that. They're so good. Yeah. Agreed. I know that the the world of winning awards is won pretty much without rhyme or reason, but it does seem to have happened that at least in recent memory, the the Grammy winner for this album is usually a show that also won big Tony awards and maybe even won best musical. Uh, the year that it was out. Um, in your time in the theater world, have you gained any insight into kind of ultimately what makes a Grammy happen? Or is it, is it just a, a combination no. of hopefully quality and luck? I feel like I learned something on this one because I, because first of all, it's just, it's just t total, you know, like it, it's so, it, it's like throwing a, a 17 dice in the air and trying and trying to come up with a number, you know, it's just, <laughs> there's like 15,000 Grammy voters. There's, you know, dozens and dozens of categories, <laughs> like so many categories. And I kind of thought, well, Jesus Christ Superstar was, was a, I didn't think it belonged in the category because it was a television show, um, not a stage show. But there it was, and I was pretty sure that because there were stars in it and more people saw it than could see any Broadway show in five years because it's on television, I thought it would, I thought it would win for that reason. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't know anything. Um, 
I think actually that what I learned was that the people who vote for the cast album Grammy are the people who care about that category, just like the people who vote for the Tony. So it's no mm-hmm. surprise that, that, you know, the Tony winner would also win a Grammy. Um, so that's what I learned. Take that for what it's worth, which is not much. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I was also confused by the Jesus Christ Superstar presence, but there are so many arcane rules that rule Grammy categories that I was like, well, I guess it is what it is. Well, I'm very glad that this recording will let this, you know, super unique show live on and maybe be an example to others. So congrats again, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> The band's visit is playing on Broadway at the Ethel Barrymore Theater through April 7th. If you're in New York, I would highly, highly recommend trying to go before it closes. Like I said, one of the most amazing shows I've seen over the past few years. And if you would like to listen to the Grammy-winning original Broadway cast recording, it's out now on Chickaboom Records. If you're a fan of the Billboard on Broadway podcast or new and just want to keep coming back, please subscribe on iTunes. Give us lots of nice stars and reviews. Reviews are a great thing to write, and they take so little time. Uh, We can be found on Spotify, on Google Play, and on Stitcher in addition to iTunes. You can always find me on social media at Rebecca Millsoff on Twitter, at YaDownWithRMM on Instagram. You can use hashtag Billboard on Broadway to express your thoughts about the podcast and hope to have you back for the next episode. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.